All right, Lisa, happy new year. It's the happy new year. first, first, first of 2023, yep. which yep. look, I'm, I'm so fresh in 2023. I'm still writing the wrong year. So, hey, it's still new year, I think, until you can write the date accurately. Uh Um, uh but yeah, it's, it's a new year. We got a lot of new stuff going on and there are some changes happening in the unfazed world because we got a lot going on. Uh, I think some of the changes will be bittersweet, but exciting for our listeners. So yeah, we got a lot going on here, Lisa. We do. And we've been at this now, Shauna, for a little under two and a half years talking about DEI, endurance sport, you know, and I think it might be time for us to graduate and re-envision where we want to go next. Mm, All right, let's talk about it. I'm Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold, and I go by she, her, her pronouns. And I'm Dr. Lisa Ingefield, and I go by she, her, hers. Welcome to Unfazed, a podcast to disrupt your normal and challenge your brain to go the distance. Whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging genetics and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. I love the meal recommendations that come with the analysis. It prompted me to add salmon into my meal rotations, and I am loving it. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty. That's insidetracker.com forward slash feisty, and then use the code feisty at checkout. Whether you're competing in a triathlon or swimming to challenge yourself, Orca has fit-for-purpose swimwear designed to meet your needs. Innovation has always been part of Orca's DNA, and when it came to the development of their new triathlon wetsuits, a wide range of skill levels and different types of triathletes were taken into account. Whether you're looking for maximum flexibility, maximum buoyancy, or somewhere in between, Orca wetsuits are designed to help you achieve better performance in the water. It is performance made simple. For 15% off all items at orca.com, use the code IRONWOMEN15. So Lisa, who but us would think to start a podcast in the middle of a pandemic, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, we, we started a podcast in September, I believe of 2020 Yep. in the middle of a pandemic. And I will say, I remember this was a while ago where I looked at the, the numbers of podcasts that were started because a lot of people were just bored. Like it was almost like a social outlet for them to talk about topics or things yeah. and so forth. Yep. And so there was a good number of podcasts that were launched during the pandemic, but this is episode 115 or so for us. So not too many people can claim longevity with the podcast, right? So I I, I think we should 
brush our shoulders off a little bit with the longevity of, of this pod because it, we we hung in there, right? Week after week, we hung in there. We have, we absolutely have. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's kind of funny, right? To think back. I mean, I remember, I remember when we launched, um, and there was just so much interest and excitement over social justice, racial justice, obviously, um, was right a few months after George Floyd had been murdered and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery, among many others. Yes. Um, And so, you know, we definitely decided that this was one way to try and address some of those persistent systemic problems that we were seeing in the world, but also thinking about that from an endurance sport lens. Um, But this is going to be our final episode of this iteration of Unfazed. Um, So we thought we'd take this opportunity to do some more uh, looking back, but also looking forward about where Mm. we're going to go and what exciting things are ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, iteration is like the perfect word for it. You know, iteration, graduation, you know, all of that I think is great because this podcast will not be the end of the road, if you will, for us or the finish line, whatever you want to call right, it here. Right. But I, I do think that we are graduating to the next level, because if you think about it, for anyone that's been a loyal listener since the beginning, you know that we've done our level best to fold in diversity, equity and inclusion work into endurance sport, endurance sport into DEI. And you know, there was some excitement around that, but we also know that when it comes to a pandemic, a lot of stuff was shut down for a while. There were folks that didn't race for, you know, a year or more. Right. I remember, right. you know, my friends, you know, participating in their first half marathons, marathons, sprint triathlons after a couple of years um, of being on hiatus. And so, you know, I think what's interesting now is that we have an opportunity to go more broadly because I think there's, Lisa, there's nothing that can erase uh, the fact that our roots are in endurance sport. We met through endurance sport. We met because of endurance sport. But then, you know, how does that branch out into, wait a minute, we've got a lot of stuff in common that goes well beyond endurance sport. That is, you know, one anchor of many, but you know, there are very few people uh, that I get to other than my clients regularly flesh out what in the world is going on when it comes to systems and inequities and things that I see see that pop up in the world. And so one of the things that I believe we've done successfully over the last two and a half years is that we literally took conversations that we were already having and put ourselves in front of a mic and hit record and let the world in Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. what we were already talking about, which I felt was very natural. And so now we get to do that with or without endurance sport in the mix. We get to kind of broaden the perspective. So um, Lisa, I don't know about you, but there's been times in the past where I shared our podcast with, let's say a client, for example, or I was working with a college or university where they wanted to hear more about a particular topic, but they weren't necessarily uh, athletes or endurance sport folks in our community, but they really gleaned a lot from it. And so now I feel like we have this this gift of going more broad. And so whether you're uh, an endurance sport athlete or not, you will get something from what we share in the future. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really critical without uh, overlooking or ignoring our roots, you and I both. 
Yeah, I agree. And I just, I've always felt that everything we've talked about has been broadly applicable, right? And we have been doing the work Mm. of kind of bringing it down to the ground in endurance sport. And I think some of the desire or hope is that we have equipped our listeners with some of the tools and skills to be able to do that themselves, to be able to see something in uh, the world that doesn't feel right, doesn't look right, and say, how might that manifest in endurance sport? And that is true across all disciplines, right? But in sport, we just don't do a really good job of thinking about that. And, um, you know, there's, there's there's a lot more I think we can do. And one of the things that I'm hoping as we shift or transition is that we are both able to keep our foot on the gas pedal. Um, Mm, Because that's mm -hmm. one of the problems I think I would say has kind of maybe um, marked this last two and a half years is that it has felt to me that there has been a decrease in energy around how do we do better for diversity, equity, and inclusion in the endurance sport industry. A lot of a lot of words, a lot of diversity committees, but I'm not 100% yes. sure about what that change is or how that's manifested um, mm-hmm. broadly, right? I'm sure mm-hmm. there are small communities and pockets that have done some amazing, amazing things, but from mm-hmm. a kind of bird's eye view, I'm not seeing that cohesion. And so I think... Um, you know, that's disappointing. Yeah. I guess it's probably not dissimilar to what happened in the larger world, right? Like the right. whole, right. was 2020 different? Was the racial reckoning we saw there going to last? And I'm sure there were mm. a number of people that fell down on all sides of that argument. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's but right. There's still so much to do, right? Uh, well, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think there's this kind of perfect storm going on that is, encouraging, sadly, organizations to take their foot off the gas, including a recession. You know, we we are either on the tipping point or over the tipping point of a recession. And so now you have organizations that can legitimate a reason as to why we need to cut this line. We need to cut that budget line. We need to move this around. This person can't solely focus on DEI. They also have to focus on professional development and human resources, like all these things that are now happening to make it very logical and justifiable to take your foot off the gas of DEI if it's not uh, prioritized. And so there's a lot of things that are going on that help people to say, eh, let's not do that right now. And so for us, I think that's where our voices are extremely important to this work is helping folks to keep their foot on the gas and to keep the momentum. Because Lisa, we've talked about this many times before that, you know, 2020, and and there's even uh, articles that have spoken to this, 2020 obviously was a peculiar year because the pandemic required the entire world to stay a bit more still than usual, which meant they were a captive audience for things that were already going on in the world, including the numerous George Floyds that happened before a George Floyd, the numerous, you know, um, uh, numerous challenges with the Asian community, despite there being a very targeted uh, murder Um, in a a beauty salon um, or nail salon at that time. And so given that these were things that were happening beforehand. And so I'm, I've been one that's been pretty adamant about this. 
yes, a lot happened in 2020 and I'm not taking anything away from that, but people like myself, Lisa, and other people that we respect in the DEI practitioner space have been doing this work for decades. And so it just happened to be that the whole world was now focusing on uh, the inequities and the hatred and the violence that we've been working with for decades. And so now it's like, okay, how do we continue to keep that momentum going? Because um, it's very similar, Lisa, to what I experienced when I was working at College Park. And we had the very senseless hate crime murder against Lieutenant Collins by a white supremacist, you know, maybe 500 feet from my office, is that when those types of issues occur, they have been constantly occurring, but have you been paying attention? And as they happen, who is keeping their foot on the gas because we are hurt and saddened and frustrated by it, but sadly never surprised by it. And so, you know, when it keeps happening, the people that don't put their feet on the gas are the ones that feign being surprised. And so I feel like our podcast has helped people to Mm -hmm. keep some semblance of momentum. Um, And so that's what I want to keep going here too as well. But that's kind of my thought pre post, (laughs) pre during post uh, Mm -hmm. 2020. It's just a peculiar year, very peculiar. Yeah, it it was. And I think, you know, a lot of what perhaps 2020 did was create the intellectual space, particularly for white people to actually think about the the lived reality of um, folks of color broadly, but in particular black men in this in the United States as it comes to as it um, connects to police violence against them. Um, But so there may have been yes. mind, there may have been a mindset shift, right? Um, yes, yes. And you've mentioned this before, but that's not enough, right? And this is the thing I feel like we constantly stumble with: is I can intellectually know that there's a problem and that there's biased and violent behavior against minoritized yes. people in this country, but then what do I do about it? And um, even the most fervent agreeer right? I think Mm -hmm. still doesn't move to action. I mean, and I've certainly been in Mm -hmm. that place, right? Where it has felt like an enormous effort to do what is needed. And I haven't, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, it's not that Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not perfect, but um, right, right. That's where I I feel endurance sport still has some struggles, but it isn't just Mm -hmm. endurance sport, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's more than that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, you're bringing up a good point because um, I was looking at something the other day that as a reminder, um, the word allyship was word of the year in dictionary.com in 2021, right? So on the heels of everything that happened in 2020 around the world, not just in the US, there was um, extreme violence against people of color, men of color in particular, all over the world. And so we had the attention of the world when it comes to thinking about allyship. And what's sad, to your point, Lisa, is that the assumption that allyship is simply disagreeing with hatred, disagreeing with exclusion, disagreeing with violence. Well, your disagreement, but still being a bystander, does not uh, cure the harm, the hatred, the inequities that are still happening. And so you can staunchly disagree, but if none of your actions are following suit, then to me, it's your, your silence makes you complicit. 
It's yeah. there is no such thing as a passive anti-racist. There's no such thing as none of that. And so right. given that, where does the action piece come in? And so I think in you know 2020, people were still enough to at least mm-hmm. know what they should be taking action on. But now it's like, how do you maintain it's like running? How do you right. maintain right. your pace? How do you maintain your momentum in such a way that you're still moving forward? Mm-hmm. rather than thinking about what your pace should be or looking down at your watch and like, what am I supposed to be doing here? Instead, moving that forward. And so, you know, I feel, Lisa, that this podcast has been kind of our 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 protest, our social justice initiative, our uh, being sure to keep this at the forefront of folks' minds, especially those of us that carry particular privileges that allow us to forget or, or allow it to slip off the priority list. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, yeah. something that we've done relatively consistently. Yeah, I guess as long as people keep listening to us, right? <laughs> week <laughs> after week, keep hearing uh, exactly. hear our voices in their ears. Um, exactly. You know, I forget exactly what you said specifically in the last two minutes that made me think of this, but I just finished reading Ta-Nehisi Coates' The Water Dancer, which is his first novel, I believe. And yes. mm-hmm. there's a piece, there's a piece in it because um, white people are featured in the novel, both as slave holders and, but also as people who are assisting with the underground railroad. And there's um, a, an element in there about the motivation for the white people who are participating in um, the underground ra- railroad to support and assist formerly or at the time enslaved people to the North where they would be free. And the motivation as the author kind of articulates it again, it's a novel, but I just thought it was really poignant around um, that. It's more, it was more about the stain of slavery on whiteness and on white people, rather than understanding that enslaved people are people and they're humans um, and that the, there's an inhumanity in it. And so the motivation should be about getting those folks out rather than uh, um, abolishing slavery so that white people don't look so bad, right? Essentially, I mean, um, oh, yes, yes, and yes. It, and it feels, it feels a little bit like that, right? Because I only have to do a few things to kind of cleanse my conscience a little bit about the fact that racism still exists and I sometimes am complicit sometimes not right um but it's not but the focus is still on me as a white person and my feelings right right so I feel like it's a little like the last couple of years have been a little reminiscent of that to some degree Mm. well you know and and that connects to as usual white comfort you know the it makes me feel more comfortable to kind of clear my name as a white person that's not it, at least not making the problem uh more salient. At least I'm not helping the problem along. Um and and that is powerful because you know I think that's where so let's pair the book with <laughs> look y'all, I'm fresh off of watching Emancipation yesterday. <laughs> with Will Smith and pairing the two together to your point, Lisa, I I won't give away the movie because I I know you want to watch it. The movie does the exact opposite of that, where it doesn't centralize whiteness. It centralizes Mr. Peter, um, a, at the time, enslaved man 
And I say, I, I, I even hesitated to say man right there, just as I was saying it, because parts of the movie talk about, um, or, or parts of the movie, characters who were enslaved continue to c- declare themselves, I'm a human being, I'm a man, I'm not a boy, I'm not your chattel, I'm not your property, I'm a man. And so given that it decentralizes whiteness and even in the cinematography, Will Smith talks about, this won't give anything away, but in the cinematography, Will Smith talks specifically about literally trying to take the the colors out of the Confederate flag to disempower the Confederate flag because it wasn't about that story. It was about the story of enslaved Black people. And so, you know, given that, you know, it's like, who are we, who are we making uncomfortable? You know, I I think about this often when it comes to discomfort and even people that have listened to our podcast for two and a half years. Um, I remember someone coming up to me, um, this was back in November saying, every time I listen to the podcast, I think I'm, I'm on the right track until one of you says something that makes me uncomfortable. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly the point. We all should be uncomfortable at some point because the work of inclusion, the work of equity has to make those who are comfortable, uncomfortable to get us closer to the goal. And so, you know, who's being made uncomfortable because people that are, that have been excluded, historically disenfranchised, et cetera, have lived entire lives of discomfort. And so how do we do that as privileged people to be uncomfortable in order for all of us to get to that place? I think this podcast shakes things up a bit. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's interesting how to re-envision the podcast in such a way that we make discomfort more regular in every area. (laughs) Not just endurance sport, but every area. Yeah, I mean, no one likes to be uncomfortable, right? Whatever the situation, whether that's like moving to a different city, like and not knowing anyone, that creates discomfort. But unless you are willing to put yourself in those situations, um, then, you know, I think that you, you prevent a lot of learning and growth. And I have certainly, certainly shied away from difficult and uncomfortable situations about DEI and about other random things. Right. Um, and I think that that is a loss for me, certainly, but I think one, one of the things I've loved about doing this podcast with you, Shauna, is that, um, I think we both said to each other right at the beginning, cause we knew and we, we build the plane as we fly. It's unscripted. We just <laughs> find an issue yeah. and then we talk about it. And so inevitably yep. we make mistakes. We trip up over our words. We can't think of a word that we want to say. Right. Right. Um, was that we both exchanged text messages about the fact that, you know, we were, we were likely going to make mistakes. And so we needed to have grace with each other because that was kind of the whole point, right? Is that we're trying to go into the fray. Yes. Mostly unafraid to have these conversations, to demonstrate these conversations can be had, right? That these kind of cross-racial difficult conversations can be had when there are so few places right now in the current political (sighs) and social climate in the U.S. where that type of conversation is encouraged. Yes. And encouraged without cancellation. That's, to me, I think that's like one of the, the, key points of these conversations is that, you know, that to me, and I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but that to me is what grieves me so much about um, whatever cancel culture was meant to do um, is that 
when an individual cancels another individual because of a misstep, where do we cut ourselves off from learning and growth, right? Now, there's some people, I'm not saying that I'm anti-cutting folk off. I, I am very pro-cutting people off, especially when we get into energy vampires. We've talked about that. But if it's clear that the person is still interested in learning something new, growing, open with their mindset, open with learning, but yet we're so quick to cut them off because of a, of a mistake. I dare you, anybody that hasn't made a mistake, they, that means they haven't done anything. And that inherently is a mistake. So right. mistakes yeah. are part of this process. And so when it comes to cancel culture, I think this podcast has demonstrated how not to cancel people for making mistakes, you know, not canceling Shauna for using ableist language or not canceling whomever for, for the mistakes that, that we've had on this podcast where we corrected ourselves or helped to correct each other to think differently about certain language and terms and so forth. That to me is where I feel like the real growth happens we don't give each other enough space to make mistakes and then course correct. It's just up, oh, cancel it. Never mind. Don't want to be in relationship with you. Don't want to be in conversation with you. Moving on. Mm, that that should. Uh, it's necessary, but I don't think it should be the norm. Which is why we don't get anywhere with certain conversations right. or certain knowledge. Yeah, I also think we there's a piece anywhere. around around trust here, right? Like, I oh yes. I, I trust you that if you say something random and it lands on me weirdly or on someone else, right, that you have humility, that you will learn and try not to do it again, right? And mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I'm less interested mm -hmm. in quote unquote canceling you because I, I trust that your intentions are good. And I know that we've talked about intention and impact, right? I'm not saying oh, that. Yeah. I'm yeah. saying you acknowledge the impact, right? And I know that your intentions are good. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that that, so I think even before we get to cancel culture, I think the fact that that kind of really aggressive, you made a mistake nine years ago. Um, I don't care that you've tried to atone for it. Right. Uh, you're done. I think that that is born of a complete lack of trust. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so there's yeah. that, tr that's trust in systems, that's trust in people's intentions, that's trust in, um, someone's authenticity, right? Like mm -hmm. I think, so like mm -hmm. kind of peeling back the layers of that onion, mm -hmm. like if there were more trust, we probably wouldn't have gotten to this kind of pretty, um, <laughs> like warped weird cancel culture thing which is a not necessarily how it sta started out right but then I also right. I say that as a white person because like I mean of course folks of color in this country don't trust white people like I'm not I'm not it's not I'm not trying to be funny but I'm like that's right self -evident, right 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 and like right. And, and women and trans people not trusting men perhaps right and gay people and lesbian people and bi people not trusting straight people like there's a whole history of why that trust doesn't exist but exactly. we don't there's not a lot of repairing exactly. like true true reparation right exactly that's right and you know it it goes with you know most it goes with most healthy relationships trust is earned okay and so you know given that especially when you have almost every reason on the planet not to trust 
a particular group or a particular identity, et cetera, that trust is earned over time. And so having the patience. So Lisa, I've seen, maybe this is another point of privilege we need to talk about or kind of flesh out when it comes to identities is that starting in two different places. So if you are the excluded, historically marginalized person, you may start based on that identity from a place of, "Mm -mm, I'm not going to trust you until you've earned it from me. And then the privileged person says, why don't you trust me? I've done nothing wrong. Of course you should trust me. In fact, I demand that you trust me. And it's like, whoa, 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 that's not how this works. And I've seen it on both ends where as a Black person, I, I have to be completely transparent. As a Black person, a white person usually has to earn my trust based on their behavior and our interaction together. But I've also been on that privileged side of the spectrum where I was the heterosexual person that said, of course, LGBT people trust. Of course they should. I, why not? I wrote a whole dissertation on LGBT students. Of course you should trust me. That's a bunch of crap. Even though I did, that's a that's a bunch of crap to have the posture of, of course you should yes. trust me. Yes, the posture. I like that way you frame that. Yeah. And so, right. And so I think that's where, you know, whichever hat we put on in regards to power and privilege, noting that from a marginalized perspective, trust will be earned over time, if ever. And from a privileged posture, we cannot demand trust. We cannot. Now, if we are fortunate enough to earn it, I'm grateful. But if I never earn it, I understand why. If, if me as a heterosexual person never earns the trust of LGBT populations, yes, it would be heartbreaking for me personally, but centering LGBT people, I completely understand why. Right. Right. And that actually, that last point you make, I think, again, kind of goes back to this, to the the narrative in the water dancer, right? Around mm. that um, it hurts you if that were the outcome, right? So it hurts white people if slavery exists or if racism still exists, right? Because it makes you feel bad. So to your point, yeah, you're centering the marginalized group by just accepting that that's the reality. And it also, the trust also comes back to the way how we started this conversation around words and action right like i can say i am your ally shauna um but am i but that but that doesn't that's ultimately meaningless unless i put that into action in various ways that could be calling something out in a meeting speaking up so that shauna doesn't have to rather than just after the fact that's right like did you notice blankety blank and i actually think i did that with you one time like someone didn't use your doctor title and I didn't say anything in the meeting and after the fact, and then I felt like a complete idiot because I'm like, of course she noticed because it's probably like the seven millionth time someone has not used doctor title for her, right? As a like a slight around yeah. Yeah. who has the power and who doesn't. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, so I exactly. think that that's, that's really important too when mm-hmm. we when we think about trust is circling all the way back. So all those Instagram posts that sports organizations posted, all those commitments, all those diversity committees, Uh where are they now? Right. Uh Oh, you know, that's right. That's right. Exactly. Where are they now? And is the demonstrated allyship consistent? Right. And I'm I'm thinking about two, of, of course, besides Lisa on this podcast, I'm thinking about two other white women in my life who have been uh, the some of the best allies of mine, right? And and I'm just thinking about the characteristics that all three of you have. 
that the, the consistency piece, the courage, I'm not saying not afraid, but the courage to say things, um, the ability to interrupt, the understanding of systems and being willing to take on a burden so I don't have to for the thousandth time. You know, there, there are some characteristics that allies portray. And again, all three of you starting for me as a Black woman, now we can go into other identities, but starting at zero to earning trust, that's how you get there. The consistency in behavior, the constantly thinking about how to take weight off of a disenfranchised person in such a way that's beneficial to that person and not centering themselves. All of that is important. And so to me, I just think it's interesting that we have to, you know, like you said, where are they now? Calling individuals and organizations to the level of consistency that they need to be at, because if not, then that trust goes away. Like you can be consistently trustworthy for like we have two and a half years. And then if you go away on hiatus and come back and people are like, well, where have you been? Your, your silence is condoning things that are happening, you know? And so just naming that, that consistency piece is really important because if not, ghosting someone when it comes to DEI can be, how can I say? It can literally start you back at square one. I guess that's the best way to say it. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. almost like starting over with the trust piece. And yeah. so, you know, given that, I think that's where, you know, you and I, I, I know for myself, I've wanted to make sure that we're like the, <laughs> the person that constantly, you know, prods people like, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Yes, I know you sitting in your privileged chair right now. Don't forget, don't forget. And so I, I'm hoping that the podcast continues to be the uh, disruptive reminder <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't allow people to forget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I would, I would also just add based on the consistency point you were making is that consistency is not the same as perfection. Right. And uh, we've, we've talked yes. about perfectionism on this podcast before, but being yes. attempt like yes. working to consistently notice, speak up, make changes, doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect at it, right? You're still that's going right. to make mistakes because I still mess up all the time, right? And that's right. Um, that's right. That that's that's so important that consistency is not the same as perfection when it comes to this work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, Lisa, just as before we started recording the podcast, we were having these conversations. And like I said, we put a mic in front of ourselves, we hit record and we let the world into it. And I kind of feel the same way about what's happening next, which is why I really want people to stay tuned and, and wait to see what's next, because we're going to keep having these conversations. And it's it's kind of like when you finish watching your favorite show and at the end, they give you like that 30 minute, uh, that, that 30 second little sneak peek of what's going to come up next week. You know, I feel like we have a lot to look forward to on the podcast in a little bit of a different form. We're graduating a little bit, but think about everything that we have going on this year, Lisa. I know that we have tons of content from over a hundred podcasts that we're going to formulate into something. So we'll, you know, keep people uh, sitting at the edge of their seats about what we're going to do with that. Um, last I checked, 
the Paris Olympics are happening in 2024. I know we're going to talk about that because we just always talk about the Olympics. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot to look forward to. And so I'm just excited and it is a little bittersweet because it's not going to be the same, but I think we have uh, a track record of consistency that we want to stay good with our people on. And so on to the next, right, Lisa? So we're taking a little bit of a break, but we are coming back. Um, We are hopefully, um, as of the time of recording this podcast, we have an intention to put a link in the show notes so that you can sign up for updates. Um, So I'm hoping that that actually happens because that is in the future. Um, (laughs) So you will Mm -hmm. all be able to stay tuned and join us on the next phase of our journey. Unfazed, a podcast produced by Feisty Media and supported by the Outspoken Summit. Edited and produced by the fabulous Millie Perry. Email us at info at unfazedpodcast.com and find us on social media at Try to Defy, at Dr. Gold Speaks, or at Outspoken Women and Try. I'm Lisa. I'm Shauna. Thanks for listening. Stay unfazed, folks. See you next time. <laughs>